Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. We're here. We've survived. We scavenged enough gas to get here once again. Yep. If you guys can't tell, we've been playing Days Gone. That is pretty much all we're going to talk about this week because, man, it is a beefy, beefy game. And I've played now, um, I'm not sure because there's no way, there's no like slash played on PlayStation. Um, But I've played approximately like, I want to say somewhere between like four and five hours a day since last week, I would say. So apparently the story is about 30 hours long with six hours of cutscenes. But I feel like that's not counting, like, any side anything. Like, no clearing camps, no clearing infestations. Like, just if you beeline your way through the story, 30 hours. It's a it's a long game. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the last time I played a game with, like, the main storyline w- felt this long. Like, without counting side quests and stuff. Yeah, and I think this game... So d- we talked about Days Gone last week so we can get the formalities out of the way. And But I think this game, the reason it really clicks with you is that it presents all the side stuff as necessary actions like this valley is your home and of course clearing out the rippers which are the crazy faction the marauders which are like just the pirates of the world the kind yeah the opportunists kind of the infestations so the nests like the uh, clearing all of those which are all essentially side stuff and the nero research uh sites which is like the government sites Mm-hmm. Clearing all those benefits you and or assists with the, you know, the story in a way where you are a character trying to make this place safer for essentially, well, you and your yeah. friend, but I assume through the story, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like um, you you feel like there are things that you should do because they're so rewarding and doing one helps the other. So like I found... Clearing infestation sites was actually the easiest way to then go and clear Ripper or Marauder camps because mm-hmm. you were able to craft those like poison arrows, basically. So you get the nest residue, you make the poison arrows, and then you shoot them at the Marauders, and then they all attack each other. Oh. And then so by the time you actually get to the Marauder camp, like you might have to kill two or three bad guys. You know, it's and it's funny, early on in the game, they present you with very, very scavengy type stuff where they give you a pistol Mm -hmm. and a crossbow and everything Mm -hmm. else you have to pick up off the ground. But I found after I played, just after we finished recording, I started playing maybe another couple hours and I started to get sort of my crafted melee weapon, which I kept repairing through a skill that you can get. And then Mm -hmm. I had my gun I purchased. I didn't realize you could do that, and as soon as I mm. figured out that I could use scrap to fix my melee weapon, I've had a saw blade tied to a baseball bat, which lets me, like, one-shot people. I've had that weapon for I don't even know how long. It's the greatest thing ever. And there's an achievement for killing... Yeah, I, I think 100 certain, enemies. Yeah, 100 enemies with the same weapon, and I was like, how the heck do yeah. you do that? And I realized you could repair... It's easy. You know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> easy. Because melee is essentially the easiest way, because... Even though the free, they call them freakers in this in this one. Even though the freakers are, are fast zombies, thank you. They 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 kind of come. It's like Mortal Kombat. They still come at you one at a time until they surround you, in which then they take you down all at once. But you can kind of line them up, especially if you have a very powerful melee weapon. And through your skills, you can actually make your melee uh, hits more powerful. Uh, so I've been running around with a baseball bat 
classic baseball bat nails, mm-hmm. you know. Ah, uh, so, and the nails, yeah. Yeah. I went with nails for a long time before I started finding saw blades. <laughs> I think I need to upgrade, even though I'm thinking I might. Like, I wish there was a trophy progression sort of tracker in this game, and there might be. Uh, I know on the Xbox, you can basically, it's built into the Xbox OS where you can track your achievement progress. I almost yeah, want to see you go, how far I am. If you go up to uh, storylines, there's mm-hmm. four options. So there's storylines, oh. there's progress, there's um, oh, there is a collectibles, trophies. and then there's trophies. Yeah, so that's where you go to look. Well, then and I'm there's definitely two screens worth. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm thinking before it because I did pick up a saw blade and I'm, I have a feeling saw blade greater than nails in bat. So I'm thinking maybe I <laughs> I get that trophy and then I, I retire old old naily is what I've been calling them. Uh, Obviously. Yeah, that's what you do. I, I would call him prickly, but you know, uh, naily works too. Me and old naily, we go it way It looks like a cactus. <laughs> yeah. Prickly's pretty good. And then, and then you know, he's like, have you met my... P-? Nope, I'm not going to finish that one. <laughs> I was like, in my head, I was a step ahead, which usually doesn't happen, but... I, <laughs> I know, usually things come out of your mouth before you realize you shouldn't have said that. Exactly, but that's how I caught myself. Um, but no, the melee system is fantastic, and I, I actually wasn't sure what I felt I would be more satisfied doing, uh, whether it was melee or shooting uh, or just basic stealth. And honestly, I find all three are best used sort of in tandem. Like using all three in an encounter works really well. And I, I need to use that, that, uh, that uh, what did you call it? Poison darts. I need to use that more. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've used it at all. And I feel like I'm, I'm wasting precious uh, nests yeah, that I keep taking just, out. Yeah, just look for uh, like if there's a sniper or if there's like sometimes Ooh. like there's the bigger boss type people. Because usually... If you turn one of those two mobs, then they'll take out the entire camp for you. And then by the time you actually have to fight them, the snipers are usually dead and the bosses are mostly dead. So you only have to like shoot them another once or twice and then they'll die. So it makes the camps a lot easier. Does one poison dart work? Which I like that those two. uh, Yeah, one poison dart will keep them um, like crazy Hmm. until they die, basically. man. I've never had it wear off. It might wear off. But, um, yeah, they're usually dead by the time or before it stops. Cool. No, uh, doing it to a sniper or a boss actually is is amazing. That's something I got to try because I've been going <laughs> in just kind of like taking, like stealthing in, taking out as many people with the crossbow and my silenced um, gun. And that's how I've been sort of doing them. But always mm-hmm. like the last five or six find me. Or the camps yeah. are set in a way where I don't, uh, you know, a, a trap's in my blind spot and I get, you know, I step in a, in a bear trap. <laughs> step in a bear trap? <laughs> I've done that more I, so I found this like super sneaky way into one camp that was like through the back door almost. And it was like I had to jump down a couple of ledges into a bush that was in front of the only hole in the fence. Mm-hmm. And I was like oh man i'm gonna be so sneaky this is gonna be amazing jump jump bear trap (laughs) damn it how are they so smart it's because they knew they knew yeah they definitely knew Uh, so it's you know and this this is incredible because usually when it comes to zombie games this isn't like i think you i don't know if you had talked about this before or maybe i'm just correct me if i'm wrong but i thought you know zombies weren't really like 
up there for you and like zombie games even had to be this this special thing like i like this game feels very niche in that if you're gonna like it you have to kind of be into the zombie tropes right yeah and so the thing is uh i'm not a big zombie person Mm -hmm. but i am i do like a good apocalypse story and i really like uh when you're basically like trying to figure out what went wrong and it's the reason why like early walking dead really appealed to me because they were like trying to find the cdc and see if there was a way to like reverse the the effects and stuff and you know i always like uh it's the reason i liked the horizon zero dawn story too actually is because there was so much background of trying to figure out exactly what went wrong exactly what happened and like solving it um And Days Gone is taking a similar sort of route. And I find a couple of different things very interesting about this game. I really, really like that the zombies are somewhat intelligent and fast moving, which means like they will attack you and chase you down relentlessly if they see you. They will, you know, there's uh, later on in the game, they get harder and harder and harder. And then there's like... um, screamers or shriekers i can't remember that basically are like an alarm system and if they see you they just scream and then they bring every zombie in the area down on you so like you have to kind of you have to find them and like stealth kill them otherwise like you're pretty much toast Hmm. so it's uh like there's some really interesting mechanics going on And the other thing that I really like about Days Gone is just the, in terms of like story and world building, is that the government, or at least some portion of it, still exists. And is still like maybe not protecting the people, but at least trying to figure out like what happened, what's going on, you know, doing research. Like the fact that there is something bigger than the survivors that is still human is very, very interesting to me. Yeah, and the fact, and that's the crazy thing about, the crazy good thing about the story is that it starts out, and this was my issue with the game last week when we talked about it, it felt like some of the, and we'll talk about the reviews later on, but it felt like maybe the reviews were justified and that like a lot of the characters were quite bland, everything, the story was average in terms of a zombie apocalypse type story, but the gameplay was still fun, so I was like, oh, I'm going to stick with this. And I think this game really is a game where you play five, six, ten hours, and then it starts to the the story starts to catch up with the gameplay, and even the gameplay starts Which, to get a bit better as well. I was gonna say it's really interesting because, and maybe I just for some like maybe I paid more attention, maybe I mm-hmm. um, like read more collectibles because you find collectibles in the world, and then um, like you actually have to open them up and read them. So some things like the when you find audio recordings, they'll autoplay. But then there's other things like pamphlets and books and people's notes and all kinds of stuff that really fleshes out the story. And like from minute one. So when I like found the first camp and you're introduced to the first like camp leader and he's this like conspiracy theorist, I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. Like and he's got the whole like the government did it and they're supposed to protect us, but they're not protecting us and blah, 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 blah. And this is all what they want. They want to kill all the people. And I'm like, why would they want to kill all the people? But anyways, (laughs) he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. And so his camp is split pretty much 50, 50 between like the rewards for his camp are usually 50, 50 between like money and reputation. 
And then if you go a little bit further down the road, once you unlock your second camp, she's basically a slaver. So yeah. she will only pay you money. You get no reputation for sending her people. And then when you get to the third camp, he is like a pacifist. So he will only give you reputation. He gives you no money. So it's like the the story dynamics and the leaders and the camps that they run, I mm-hmm. thought were really interesting. And then so spread out among that kind of dynamic is all of these like breadcrumb stories that have to do with the government and what they're doing, like your wife and your backstory with your wife and your story with um, your friend, brother, motorcycle dude. Not technically your brother, but he calls him brother he's all the your time. Brother. And that's yeah, he's your he's your bro. Sometimes you ride <laughs> long enough with someone and they become your sibling, Jocelyn. Exactly. It's, so it's the new law. Yeah, that's the situation that mm. we're dealing with here with the with the biker bros. So I don't know. I mean, as much as like I feel like saying these characters are uninteresting or hmm. generic is a very surface level analysis of the game because I think that there's a lot more story here and maybe it's just because I really liked the gameplay loop and the mm-hmm. fact that the enemies were dynamic and dangerous like if you ride too close to a zombie they'll tackle you off of your bike yeah <laughs> like it's that's it's jarring. a crazy game mechanic in a like I think in a good way it's to say the wolves will do the same thing wolves mm-hmm. will because during the night, there's a lot more zombies. During the day, there's a lot more animals. A pack of wolves will take you down off your bike, too. So it's like you constantly have to be paying attention. <laughs> and there's also like a cost to fast travel. Yeah. So like you have to have enough gas in your tank on your bike in order to fast travel anywhere, which is something, again, I really enjoyed in Horizon Zero Dawn. Because in Horizon Zero Dawn, you had to essentially like pack a backpack. So you had to have like some food, some water, and I can't remember, some cloth or something to make like a travel pack and then you could fast travel. So it's like, it's not just like, okay, now you've unlocked this this hub and you can just get there whenever mm-hmm. you want and you don't have to deal with the world around you. It's like you're constantly surviving and scavenging and I, and I like that mechanic. It, it's not the subway system in Spider-Man. It's literally like yeah. you, you have to be on your bike to fast travel. You have to have, you know, enough gas in your tank and that all makes sense logically if you're fast traveling like you're gonna spend all your gas the only thing i wish it would have done on fast travel is maybe and it might it might actually do this but i don't think it does is that when you fast travel past there's these gas stations that are mapped on your map Mm. and if you fast travel past a gas station you should just fill up i think yeah that would that would make a lot of sense because then you're not fast traveling to the gas station then fast traveling from the gas station to your actual destination uh yeah and there are enough of those gas stations sort of in every corner of the map where sometimes they're going to be intersectioning your your route but the reason you know i said early on that the characters seem kind of average is because again like someone who I don't, I don't, you know, I don't watch a lot of zombie content. I don't dive into every single piece of, of zombie content out there. However, like the truther stuff, it's kind of common. I don't think they do anything like early on surface level. They don't do a whole lot with it. But once you start to actually interact with these, these camps more, you start to realize that, oh, you know, um, what's the guy's name? The truther guy. Now I'm Copeland. Copeland. Once you actually start to do more, you know, quests for him, you actually realize he's not a bad guy. He's actually a good person. He just doesn't trust the government. And I mean, 
who can blame him? You know, <laughs> especially after what had happened. And then, but then Tucker, I found like early on, it's like, okay, she's clearly just, she's bringing these people in. She's working them to the bone, but they're getting fed and they're, they're having shelter. And that's, I guess, her way of, of running the apocalypse. But her, I felt like they didn't really flesh out past the fact that she's just building a camp. But again, you're right. Like, I haven't dived into the collectibles and stuff. If there's really a lot there that I'm missing, the only sort of collectible stuff that I've experienced outside of the story quests and stuff is the uh, the neuro uh, research audio recording audio recordings, which are really good. I really like those. Um, but that being said, once you when, once you start to unlock that third camp and they start to flesh out the government side of things like the Nero and what they're doing. And then the third camp, like uh, at lost Lake with iron Mike, which is where you came from originally. That's where the whole game and all of the characters start to get a lot more interesting for me because suddenly there's, you know, conflict like iron Mike has a truce with, uh, with the, uh, the rippers and the Car- crazy people, Carlos. Yeah. The crazy people, whoever Carlos yeah. is, but uh, yeah, no, I think it just starts to it starts to build up and starts to really flesh these characters out and, and display them more. Um, and maybe it's just that it, because I play so few zombie titles mm-hmm. that these tropes are a little bit less obvious to me or like I don't care about them quite as much. Like the idea of like the truther running a camp like that. It doesn't necessarily seem new to me, but mm-hmm. it's not like old and, and worn out. I guess it's to not me, worn like... out or it, they do, they do it justice. And I'm glad they do it in a way where he's not a crazy person. I mean, he's not, he's not absolutely he's not insane. like crazy, crazy. He's not like no. up in his hunting shack, like shooting anyone that comes on his land. And, and you know what? Like, this is going to sound terrible, but like none of the camps are kind of run by really bad people. They're all co- sort of like neutral in a way. You know, they have their own ways of approaching the apocalypse. I mean, probably, definitely the worst is the, you know, they don't call it the slave camp, but it's like, a, it's a work mm. camp, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say it's the Ripper camp, because technically they are a faction, too, with a bunch of camps. It's just, are. you can't, like, they are the bad guys. They they're, are definitely the, one, the bad guys. You can't, you can't, uh, can't join them. Yet. No, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> they're crazy. Um, well, and I, yeah, and I don't want to take I don't want to say too too much because I don't want to to spoil like story beats and stuff. But mm. uh, but yeah, like I, when it comes to the story, I will say like I've played way more than thirty hours now, and mm. I am I'm at the point now where so I really I really enjoy the story, and I really like the storylines idea. And I talked about this a little bit last week, where it's like one quest will progress a certain number of stories. And I like how integrated those all are. And it's not always the same combination. So, like, sometimes it'll be, like, you're finding out more stuff about Nero and also your wife and also how the world ended. But then other times it'll be like, okay, now you're getting more information about how the world ended while getting progress towards Marauder Camps. Because you're going and killing a, a guy who went rogue from the government and you find stuff from him and things like that so Mm -hmm. i like the way that they kind of interconnect in different ways all the time and it's not like they're stuck in one like quest line type thing do you know what i mean yeah like it's it's like you have a bunch of file folders and they're all different dossiers on like a specific topic and then when you complete a quest it's like oh 
this quest has a, a, a sheet of information for these four dossiers, right? So we're going to slide exactly. In there. And it and yeah. at first it kind of seems like okay, what are they doing here? This is confusing. But then later on, you start to realize like, oh, there are these threads that you're following through this open world game, and it's almost mm-hmm. like the quest system is also this like open world non-linear system where you are yeah you are piecing information together and and that's which again, I think. A- that's probably why I like it is because mm-hmm. it feels kind of realistic. I feel like without being frustratingly in the dark, sure. I feel like I'm realistically ignorant. Like I'm a biker who has been living in the mountains for the last two years since things went crazy in, I think I was in Portland to start. Yeah. So because they they definitely seem like they were in some sort of big-ish city when he puts his wife on the helicopter. So, um, but anyways, they are, I don't know, they're, I wouldn't know much outside of, you know, just basic survival and scavenging when it comes to actually, like, what happened and why. So I think it, like I said, realistically ignorant while still filling me in at a pace that makes me still enjoy the game yeah oh well the fact that this game includes the government like nero uh i don't know what it stands for i can't remember but uh oh i can't remember now (laughs) uh it's it's something but they north east no it oh i can't remember now but it's it's something rescue organization yeah northeast rescue organization let's go with that um (laughs) but they call him nero all the time national emergency rescue organization there we go i'm like i know it's in there somewhere (laughs) we got it uh and you know here's the thing about zombie content is that usually the government is either fallen or gone dark or Mm -hmm. just does not give two craps about what's going on in in this specific story but the fact that this story is including the the often overlooked like where's the government there's got to be some sort of part left like the amount of just preparations and and planning and secret bases and and resources and resources yeah. yeah the fact that they still exist and they're and basically what they're doing throughout the game is they are like like you said, Jocelyn, they're trying to figure... It appears to be like they're fi- trying to figure out what what is happening and what mm-hmm. happened and what is continuing to, to happen to these uh, these zombies. And, Which then is a really interesting way, like mm-hmm. you spying on the government operations is a really interesting way for you then as a character to learn more about the world around you mm-hmm. without like having just a tooltip pop up for no reason with this godlike information stream into your head that mm-hmm. just says like tooltip when fighting a bear like they're really hard or whatever and you should try to do xyz it's like you're following a researcher around while you like in stealth and the researcher is like making audio notes so mm-hmm. like talking to themselves saying like oh, we're noticing that they, you know, come out more at night and, you know, maybe, and they seem to have nests that they go to during the day and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's all, it's explaining, like, game mechanics and mm-hmm. game world, but in a way that makes sense that it isn't just your character suddenly knowing things. Yeah, and, and, and that's why, you know, the point I made earlier about how this game really is one of those 
play six hours and then like burn through the the setup of the zombie apocalypse to get to the the juicy story about like Nero and you trying to find your wife and you actually finding leads as opposed to just visiting her grave. Like that's where the story, which really you also do a lot of, you do. And what, even you know, after you sense. realize, even after you realize some stuff and you still go back to the same place all the time, it's kind of funny, but yeah, I think I, I haven't gone back. And it's so, it's so awkward. It's all in the, all, I guess the top left corner of the map. And there's no like, fast oh, travel either. I'm, I'm all the way in the bottom right. Why? <laughs> Why do I have a quest to go talk to my dead wife again? Damn it. <laughs> because it's your dead and wife. It's, like, it's, it's interesting because like you kind of, um, it, it, I think it serves two purposes. And I think that if I wasn't playing the game in really big chunks, it wouldn't be as bad. And I was saying this to uh, to my roommate earlier. I think the reason that it's in the game is it's almost like a previously on it's mm -hmm. like every so often you'll get a quest to go, you know, talk to your wife at her grave and you'll say like, this is what happened. You know, this is what I think. This is what I think you would have thought about it. And, you know, again, it fleshes out your character, her character and your relationship together. So I feel like um, as much as they're like just summaries, like recaps, I think mm -hmm. it's really cool that they're in the game because we, we talk about this on the show all the time, especially you now being a father how like a lot of the people playing games like the the gaming population is aging right mm -hmm. like it's not just a hobby for teenagers anymore so with that in mind sometimes you're only going or a large portion of your audience is only going to have maybe two hours of time to sit down and play this game so then they're going to come back to the game the next day or a few days later and they're going to play another hour or two it's nice to have those reminders of what's been going on built into the gameplay of the game and yeah. they're side missions you can choose not to do them mm -hmm. but they're worth a chunk of xp for basically doing nothing <laughs> yeah oh watching a cutscene or slowly walking yeah while talking uh yeah and you know the the thing is like some of the criticisms of the characters that that i actually shared until i actually kept playing through the game was you know the wife character it seems like oh, okay his at the start of the game his wife gets stabbed that's his you know sort of motivation and and his dark past like oh his wife's dead his wife gets put on the chopper and she ne he never sees her again he never sees her yeah and and like oh great like he's just gonna be you know mopey but then they actually use that for which you know is a bit of a zombie trope but they use it for him to be like he actually finds he befriends one of the i guess he doesn't really befriend but he forces <laughs> one of the nero people eventually they become I, in my playthrough or where i'm at they're at least working together and and understanding and copacetic so but like it's it's an interesting you know character interaction between you know deacon and o'brien which is the nero uh, guy and where they're talking about his wife and whether she's still alive and and how he basically says like you need to you know be quiet because i saved her life and all that fun stuff that's where the story really gets interesting for me and it's not that far into the game in the grand scheme mm -hmm. of things so I think people who are worried when they see a lot of the reviews and stuff about the story and the characters, I think you got to keep playing because like the boring characters kind of go off to the side and the more interesting characters have arcs and then they get better uh, and they get more, your character actually grows to, to be more, you know, understanding of them and working closely with them, which makes for a better story, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the only one thing I want to ask though, like, in terms of the cutscenes, did you find that like some of the f the face 
the faces look really weird, except for Deacon. Like the three main people, they just, their faces, like maybe their textures aren't loading. Did you notice that? It was really weird. It was um, kind of weird. I didn't, I honestly, like I basically, so last week I talked about how I don't think this game was built for the PS4. I think it was built for the PS4 Pro because the PS4 mm. really struggles with it. So I kind of decided, and I and I have actually also noticed, because I had a huge sync issue between my audio and the video. Like, it was off by 5 and 10 yes. seconds sometimes. That happened to me, too. Um, I had to restart the game. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's because, again, I'm playing on the, like, launch PS4, and it's, yeah, I'm playing for big chunks of time. So I found that, like, if I see that the game is slowing or things aren't loading properly or whatever, you just have to close down the game open it up sometimes i've had to actually stop playing because like the ps4 is getting really hot like mm. this it's not meant for this system basically yeah and i know so, you know like, I, I notice a because, lot of slowdown when i'm driving as well yeah and i think that um because of that i'm not paying as close of attention and i also because i play a lot at night so there's a lot of shooting and explosions and even just the riding the bike sounds is pretty mm. loud. So I turn the volume quite low so that I don't wake up um, my roommate or my husband. And uh, so I just make sure that it's really quiet. So I've also turned on subtitles, which is the reason why I'm usually a lot less critical of lip sync and uh, faces because I'm not looking at them. I'm reading mm. subtitles yeah, because that, uh, that was the same issue with... Um, with Horizon Zero Dawn, actually, right. um, like you were saying, like, oh, but the lips don't match up. And I was like, I have literally never noticed. And you're like, no, it's hilarious. And I'm like, how did I not see something so ridiculous? <laughs> and it's because I'm, I'm reading subtitles. <laughs> oh, man, if the next generation can fix or at least improve upon that error, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I I mean, it, the, lip, the lips like lip syncing in this game, like it's not it's not a point of negativity for me it's like it's it's a video game thing now like it's just sometimes it looks good and sometimes it's just automated and it doesn't look right but yeah it's just there's something about the character models like deacon looks fine but like all, all the other human characters it kind of looks like their faces are just kind of washed out like maybe the like the game i don't know it's weird like everything else looks amazing it's just some of the character models and the way they move mm. and i think maybe it's I haven't noticed that. I've noticed hmm. like the infinity stare where they're yep. just kind of like staring off into nothing. And it's just like, I, I don't know why <laughs> it's, it's a funny choice. If that was a choice. Yeah. Their eyes are kind of empty. It's, I, I mean, Ben studio, the guy, uh, the studio that, that put this one together, they've been primarily like a, a PS Vita PSP shop for uh, Sony. And this is their first console game. And, I, I'm I'm perfectly willing to accept because everything else about this game I really truly really love, and I'm I'm gonna keep playing through. And it's not it's not like oh god I can't play this game anymore. This you know Tucker's you know, face looks like it's inverted and he's staring off into this into space like I can't do it. But uh, I'm fine with that. But it's I think a sequel like if they were to do a Days Gone two on new hardware with all this experience they've had they could really make a, a truly great game and this is something I've said about the zombie genre before like this game right here if you take the Last of Us out of the equation this is kind of the pinnacle of zombie content on a video game system like you don't normally get this level of quality with this genre like you mm. can't it can't all be The Walking Dead uh, or yeah, I'm pretty critical of the genre. Like a lot of people, they love like the B to Z type movies. But for me, I'm just, 
it's got to be good. And this yeah. is good. Uh, there are a lot of bad zombie games. One just came out, World War Z, and it, it, it does not look great, you know? <laughs> so the fact that... And the fact that people are, are talking about this one and they're not, like, just pushing it aside or forgetting about it, the, it kind of shows that there's something here that I think is worth checking out. Um, but yeah, it is open world, and if you are kind of fed up with that sort of setup, that might be a little tough. But I think the way they've kind of parceled the map out and opened it up I was bit by say, bit is nice. I don't know if I would even necessarily consider this like an open, open world mm-hmm. because there's multiple times where big sections of the map are closed off to you for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And even areas that you have been to before, sometimes they'll just like close the gate and refuse to open it again. So it's like... It is open world, but it's more guided than a lot of open world games that I've played in the past. Yeah, like early on in the game, you've got one section, and then that small section, once you've kind of completed some stuff, it opens up the next section with uh, with the, the work camp and the grave site, and then that is a big section you play in, and then there's a new section, and that's where I am, where Iron Mike is. Uh, but it feels like once you complete a section... There's a finite amount of stuff to do there, and occasionally they'll send you back for camp-specific jobs, and I think that works really well because for the most part, like the the story doesn't split into acts, but it kind of works in acts where most of the main story is taking place in that new area you found. At least that's been my experience so far. I don't know if that changes down. Yeah, the it's the um, yeah. So this the main story very much is centered around your brother and where he is and what's going on with him. So it's like that's a real big driver of what moves you around the map so i think um yeah eventually that isn't the case any longer but um yeah it's it is interesting i could see what you mean about it being kind of split up into acts and maybe it's because i i've been doing all the side missions and i've been going back to all the camps because Mm -hmm. i do care about the characters and I want to see how some of those storylines are progressing. Mm -hmm. So um, like I do go back and I do all the Marauder camps and all the bounties and and everything else that are um, that are kind of put out there for me. So uh, I still I still find all the areas to be interesting and engaging. So I keep going back. But um, I can see like main quest wise. Absolutely. Like your main quests start in camp one and then you move to camp two and then you move to camp three and so on. So it's uh, another, another, another really cool thing in terms of game mechanics, open world games or games that have a large map. Cause we just finished explaining. It's not really, it's, it's open world, but not really. It's more of guided. But um, when you take on a Marauder camp, which is essentially the pirates of the world, you find once you kill everybody it's like okay these guys have to have a a bunker so you find the bunker and you go down and there's i do have a caveat there like i really wish when you went in the bunker there were supplies but supplies Mm. are sort of like everywhere you know yeah and unlike you know ammo gasoline there's plenty of it around but it's a video game so you kind of have to have that but there's one thing that isn't in abundance it's weapons you know, and it mm. kind of makes sense for the apocalypse. Like most of the weapons you find on the ground are just garbage, but you have to kind of buy the good weapons. But the point I was saying is like in those bunkers at the Marauder camps, there's nothing in it but this map uh, that marks sort of the map around you with with places that you may not have found yet. So the hidden areas like the infestations and the neurosites. And I love a good open world game where they give you that mechanic where it's like 
mm-hmm. we're not going to ask you to scour every corner of the map or look at a you know at a guide we're actually going to give you mechanics to kind of you know put some breadcrumbs down so you can find some of these places that you you know in the nooks and crannies right it still doesn't like do them for you but at least puts it on yeah. the map which i love at least gives you a location yeah i can't stand pixel hunting on a map like oh i haven't mm. been to this specific area yet. i better go out there i don't have time to do that and <laughs> i hate googling it because it feels yeah. kind of like i'm i don't know whether the game wasn't designed right or just like i need more time and i should just if you be need like, to yeah if you need to go outside of the game and we have this conversation about wow all the time but if you have to go like outside of the game mm-hmm. to get storyline or information then something isn't right with how the game has been designed basically yeah i i subscribe to that i mean it's just i i have less time to play games now i want to play more of this game but like when when a game is heralded as like a 200 hour experience i'm like well great i'll enjoy the first 30 hours you know (laughs) so with this game i'm i'm excited to finish it because i like where the story is going now Mm -hmm. uh you know now that it's gotten going uh but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna find every historical plaque but i might go to and find every you know sort of you know infestation place uh, and kind of clear some things out because I find like they all reward in a specific way, so it's really nice. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about with game mechanics because I haven't actually done it yet. Mm-hmm. Have you taken on and killed a horde? So this, guys, if you're if you're not familiar with Days Gone, if you haven't seen this, basically the they are fast zombies first of all, mm-hmm. and they sometimes will travel in packs, and the packs can be anywhere from you know, about 15 to 20, all the way up to like literally hundreds. So have you, which is something I really like about the hordes. It's like every time you fight a horde, it's going to be different just because it's a different size and they're always in different locations. So you can, you know, every encounter with a horde is going to be different. Have you actually managed to beat a horde yet? I finished, I beat one. It was part of a Nero site. So the things about Nero sites is sometimes they're like mobile checkpoints. So they're like checkpoints set up at a road. Other times they're just like a case in like a research site. So the one I found was in the back of a mine. So you're walking into the mine, you turn your light on, you hear like, oh, there's probably, there's usually a couple zombies. But see, these the zombies during the day are nocturnal, right? So they go to sleep and they hibernate in the caves. And uh, when I went in the cave, I turned my light on. I see like one or two. So you went in the cave during the day because I did the exact same one, except for I went in at night because I was like, the horde's going to be wandering around at night. Yeah. Okay. So So I just I went in and I got the stuff I needed and I walked out (laughs) and I was done. Like it was easy. I didn't fight the horde at all. Cool. (laughs) Which is why which is why I wanted to talk about these horde mechanics, because I feel like because hordes is actually something that um, I've seen a couple of reviewers complain about saying, you know, like they're too hard or, you know, they're unavoidable. And they are I have actually yet to fight a horde. Mm. I have completed quests in horde areas by, you know, using the time of day or the weather mechanics, as well as like, line of sight and sneakiness and you know i've been patient and i've literally never had to like actually fight a horde (laughs) yeah i mean like that's how you should normally approach uh uh, the zombie apocalypse maybe not try to be a one-man army and go in and take out (laughs) thousands of zombies and and here's the thing i actually sorry wait i did i did fight a horde Hmm. well i use the term fight very loosely because it wasn't a fight 
<laughs> it was like uh, once just because I didn't realize um, there was again another Nero site that was next to a wrecked train and there was a horde inside the train and I didn't realize that they were just all in all of the boxcars oh. so then as soon as like I can't even remember I think I just rode up on my bike yeah uh and then like jumped off my bike and then i heard something and i like turned around and it was just like whoosh i was yeah. just covered in zombies and i think i i lasted for maybe 15 feet <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then i just got swarmed okay, so I, that's, quick. that's my combat air quotes with the horde so then i was like well i can't fight these things and i've put all of my points into melee which means like you can't melee a horde either no. they just they overwhelm you so you have to have ranged skills and good guns and stuff and i didn't have those things so i was just like i'm gonna avoid these from now on and i have <laughs> well so when i was at the cave and this is one thing i wish they had more in this game and maybe they do later on but i haven't found it yet is that i wish there were more traps you could build you know mm. like trip mines and uh bear traps that there... you could build uh there are although i don't think i have unlocked it yet mm -hmm. but well pretty much everything that you come across that you can pick up and carry you can eventually craft yes but you have to complete the story things to be able to make them so um there are like um attractors so you could like attach alarm clock to stuff and then like set off the alarm clock and then they'll all go to where the noise is sort of thing right there's um uh i think that there's like proximity mines you can build mm. um so like there there are there are more traps that can be built and okay, bear okay. traps i think you can build eventually too oh. um but again you have to you have to do the storyline i haven't done the storyline yet but yeah so i uh i do yeah i used a dist uh, an attractor bomb which works quite yeah. well I, that's how i took out a large group of 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 zombies but in, in specific nature of this horde it was a it was a beacon site. It was a research research site for a beacon, and the beacons when you pick them up, well, you pick up a Nero injector, and it basically allows you to boost your your stamina, uh, your health, or your focus. Your focus allows you to kind of like slow down time when you're aiming. It's like bullet time, yeah. Basically, yeah. And uh, so when I went in, the zombies came out, they swarmed me, and they killed me. So after that, and I've quickly been learning, like when you're about to do something that's probably going to have a lot of zombies, is you position your bike pointing away from where the zombies are and then you quick save before you go in because i've had a couple times where it kicked me back to the completion of a like a quest or like a clearing oh yeah uh so anyways long story short i go in and the horde comes at me so i run out and i kind of just kited the horde around the area the area was set up in a way where there were a lot of obstacles where i could kind of like keep running but not run out of stamina and i used i mean i used all my explosives plus my molotovs and just kind of picked away at the horde as it was coming at me and that counted if it, it counted towards the trophy but it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a horde you know there's some story where you see some hordes well, that you're avoiding and they're pretty hefty yeah they're huge um but i do think that's how you're meant to deal with them basically is is kind of use the environment kite them around mm -hmm uh like throw explosives and try to take out as many as possible like use explosive barrels like all that kind yeah. of stuff to to try to to whittle them down because you can only take on about 10 zombies by yourself like if they're if they're all like on top of you sort of thing so you do have to keep some distance 
Yeah, and keeping sure. and and actually another piece of advice is like moving your bike further away from where the zombies are possibly going to run towards you because if you do have to make a quick escape, like those zombies will knock over your bike and then you have the process of picking up your bike and getting yeah. on it as opposed to just getting on it and jetting because you can that bike is your best tool. Like you can outrun a horde uh, mm-hmm. at least early on in the game. I don't know if they introduce zombies that are like faster, uh, but I found uh, that so far, no. Oh, okay. Um, I think good. I still have um, maybe one undiscovered zombie. Hmm. Um, and yeah, none of them are any faster. Some of them are bigger and beefier, but none of them are any faster than... Because the zombies are already fast. Yeah. So it's like they are already sprinters. So... <laughs> yeah. So but yes, I, you can you can outrun them. You can outdistance um, basically any bad guy. Mm-hmm. I just I just found that you know later on in the game, like after you've played you know uh, the intro parts, you start to get a, an idea of your combat flow and how you like to approach sort of each encounter. And I find that I'm really enjoying the mix of crossbow gun and uh you know trying to use traps when i can but uh also stealth and it's just i like i like the setup i have now with the game and that did not come into play until later on and that could have been user error it could have just mm-hmm. been the way the game was set up i i i can't make that you know call right now but it really did feel like the game was slowly introducing you to these mechanics and the skill systems and i think once like yeah, like five to six hours, like right after a couple of nights after we recorded last week, I really felt like, okay, this is really, this is really clicking with me. Like, I really, I really am enjoying this, this game. I really do like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, because uh, Opera in the chat room asked if it was worth $80 <coughs> or if you should wait uh, for a sale. And I think like me personally, I would say like buy this game, get this game, play this game, especially if you have a PlayStation 4. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm having a really really good time i can't put it down i haven't been able to put it down for a week it's a it's a really good experience with a pretty addictive like gameplay loop and um the story overall i mean there is there's one portion of the story that's getting a little bit repetitive but even as i say that like i played like the next quest in that same storyline and then it was different than it had been previously so it's like it's repetitive-ish, but when I stop and think about it, I don't really know how else I would write it. So I'm kind of okay with it. Like, it, it makes sense. So, uh, but yeah, overall, like, it's just, it's compelling enough to make me just want to keep going and want to finish the story and find out exactly, you know, what happened and what's going on with everything. So I personally, I think that a lot of people are maybe not giving this game as high a score just because of and ryan and i talked about this a little bit before the show just because it's made by sony like it's a playstation exclusive mm-hmm. because i feel like playstations had so many like knock it out of the park titles lately that i think they're just kind of being held to a higher standard and not the games shouldn't be held to a high standard but i think if a game like this came out not that it ever really would come out on the switch but if it came out on like the switch or if it came out particularly on the xbox i think people would be uh giving this a lot better reviews just because it's like 
Microsoft hasn't really released anything mm. since like Sea of Thieves. So now they've got Days Gone and it's, you know, like, but where Sony's had like God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn and I feel like I'm forgetting Spider-Man. Their Spider-Man. Like there's the bar's really, really high and they've been pretty prolific recently. So I feel like Days Gone might be the worst of the best and it's like if it's the worst of the best it's still better than a lot of stuff out there (laughs) it's i mean i'll say this like the last zombie game that came out to much fanfare would have been state of decay 2 that was an xbox exclusive uh and and on pc but this game is is better than that one in many ways cinematically combat mechanics story everything uh, it's a single-player game, which I much more prefer over State of Decay 2. But, yeah, you're right. Like, if this had come up on the Xbox, people would be, like, kind of okay with it. There wouldn't be that yeah. big an issue with, with the game not being close to perfect, like God of War or Spider-Man or Horizon. And you're right. Like, you've got a string of hits. And, of course, people are going to look at every title that you've got and be like, well, this is the next Sony game. And you can't you can't make every game perfect to the the mass audience like zombie uh, is zombies are already a niche sort of Mm -hmm. genre right so you're already shooting yourself in the foot right away in terms of mass appeal because there are always going to be people who hear zombies and say like oh you know i'm sick of them or i don't like them yeah yeah. and and i've listened to content where people that i really appreciate and i uh, you know adore their opinions and they talk about days gone and it's just like they completely you know, they completely wrote it off, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, all right, fine. You know, it's not for you, but maybe, maybe for your own sake, don't, don't bring it up again. Cause it sounds like you, it's, <laughs> you don't like it. Like that sounds mm-hmm. great. I mean, it's for some people, it's their job to talk about video games, but, um, I, I just don't know. Like, I think the, I never really paid attention to reviews this with, with this one. Cause I kind of felt like this was going to be, it's like reading reviews of, the latest Walking Dead episode or the Game of Thrones episode. I'm going to enjoy it for myself because I know I like the genre and I know mm-hmm. I like PlayStation games. So I I felt like this one I I wanted to experience for myself and I'm I'm really glad I did. I feel like reviews could have really tainted the experience a little bit. I feel like reviews were just, they were unnecessarily harsh because mm. like I say, it has an addictive gameplay loop. The story's pretty good and yeah, it has some technical issues, but I kind of knew that going in being that I'm on a PlayStation 4 not a pro so if you can look past some technical things some glitchy things some you know like textures not loading or the game chugging you know like that's that's gonna happen on an older system so if you can look past that I think absolutely pick this up if you have any kind of interest in the in kind of an open world survival scavenger type game then take a look uh, if you guys like what we do and you would like to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash gamers in. We are looking for a patron to feature for the month of May. So if you want that to be you, again, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. And this week we are talking about the walkouts that happened at Riot this past week. So um, if you guys are unfamiliar, Riot has been the target of quite a lot of press in the last year or two about their uh, basically toxic work environments about uh, lots and lots and lots of sexual harassment cases and uh, basically just not being a nice place for women. And so uh, very recently, I believe two lawsuits that were um, 
levied against the company went to arbitration instead of going to, I guess, going to trial. I'm not 100% clear on American justice. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't like I'm not I'm not an American lawyer. So bear with me, but mm -hmm. um, went to arbitration instead of um, going through, I guess, whatever the, the normal trial system would be, which uh, particularly in the case of harassment it's it's very it's a very tricky very difficult situation because you basically have like the victim and the accuser sit down at a table and are supposed to work out their differences which is just unbelievably awful mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh basically what the what the walkout was was targeting was um basically workers saying to riot that they didn't want this um they didn't want this arbitration which is which is built into all of their contracts so if you work at riot you signed an agreement with riot that basically said you wouldn't bring legislation against the company or i guess litigation, litigation against the company yeah. litigation yeah against the company so uh they're basically walking out to try to bring more i guess publicity to the work environment they want to hold riot accountable and make them hopefully change their ways and the reason why we're talking about this and the reason why i think it's important is that it's kind of shining a light on the industry as a whole and it's also it's not like basically these these toxic work environments and and the sexual harassment that's been happening it's not unique to the gaming community it's across the gaming community the uh, tech world just corporate I was going to say corporate America, but it's not like this is an America-only problem either. No. But the corporate world, um, this is kind of across the board. And a lot of these companies have these clauses built into their into their contracts with their workers saying, like, you can't sue anybody or us for sexual harassment. And a lot of workers are now saying that that's actually not okay. They're not okay with it. They don't want it. And it's unfair to basically the victims of the sexual harassment. So... The the other really interesting part of this walkout is that Riot supported its employees because often, and granted, this wasn't a uh, job security or pay raise walkout. This was very specifically because of the work environment and the sexual harassment lawsuits. So um, in general, when employees walk out en masse or try to unionize, they're often fired. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that Riot was supporting the workers and uh, basically allowing them to exercise their, I guess, right to protest, which you don't really have when you're dealing with an employer as opposed to the government. Um, but basically they were saying like, yes, we'll let you, you know, like your voices can be heard. You know, you can walk out between these times. It was like two till four o'clock or something. We think that this is just as important as you do. So... Ryan, what are your thoughts on on all of this, on the potential impacts, if any? Yeah, it's interesting because this is a new piece of a conversation that's been happening a lot lately. You know, with we've talked about crunch, we've talked about you know workers' rights uh, at game developing studios, and then you look at this, and and this is a it's a very like you said, it's a corporate world practice where you basically say to your employees, like, yeah, you can work for us, the cool company, but you have to sign away your rights to to be to basically sue us if something if we if one of our own or or someone at the company were to do something, you know, terrible uh, to you, like discriminate or or harass, right? So when you look at this, 
it's kind of in a perfect world sure yeah like i'm not gonna sue because all my bosses are gonna be super nice and you know not harass me but the fact that a lot of these these gaming companies uh, or these some sorry some of these gaming companies have had these stories come out where some of management and the way the company is run you know is just a, a breeding ground for harassment and for you know exclusivism and all that fun stuff you know so it's good that they're throwing this out because i think it'll weed out the bad behavior and that's the whole point of having these conversations and doing these walkouts and protests and and even the conversation of unionization because it it's a tactic to make people who run these companies actually treat all their employees like decent human beings, which is exactly what you want. You want both sides to be there to have a conversation and to say like, hey, let's not be assholes to each other and just make a great (laughs) product. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's possible without hurting anything like there's going to be changes. But I really do feel like if if the employees and the employers can come together and have you know, a behind the closed doors, you know, kick Kotaku out. You don't have to invite Kotaku to your closed door meeting. You can have that conversation privately, figure out how to just And then run. Kotaku will just get the memo later. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like the literal actual memo. <laughs> exactly. But what I'm saying basically is like, I, I still believe that there's an opportunity for the game industry to sort their own shit out before. Like I just saw there was a news article that someone in the States had put forward legislation to ban... Uh, loot box types uh, mechanics from from games for for children but essentially that means every game rated m and under you know so or i guess teen and under right yeah that's a huge portion of many games like maybe overwatch will have to go mature to be able to keep its loot boxes not too hard there's probably a lot of content out there blizzard could pull from uh but like i think with this it's it's important you know (laughs) was that an overwatch porn joke it was good catch on that one (laughs) okay uh (laughs) but i i I really do think it's also very important like you said that riot is supportive of this because it that's the other thing that happens with these with these stories out of kotaku like it makes it it makes the company look bad rightfully so because they're doing a terrible thing i was gonna say do you think that this is actually going to have much of an impact because They've had, like I say, we've been talking about Riot a lot over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and it seems like their general response has been, of course, this is terrible. We hate this. Our workplace isn't really that bad. And we're going to, like, I think we had a story two or maybe even three years ago now where they were part of, like, spearheading this um, anti-bullying, anti-harassment and gaming, um, uh, not panel, but, like, coalition or whatever, between and like blizzard was involved like all of the like games and social media and social networks and all that kind of stuff Hmm. they were all coming together to try to fight this and nothing ever came of it and so do you think that like them supporting the workers and saying like oh no this is bad and you know we're gonna have more sexual harassment seminars on how not to be a dick Hmm. and you know all of the stuff that they're quote-unquote doing like, do you, do you think it's actually going to have an impact? Is anything really going to change? Or, you know, I guess this walkout specifically was about the employment contracts. So if they don't change their employment contracts, that's kind of a tangible thing that people can point to and say, you said you were going to, and then you didn't. And here you can still see it in this legal document. You haven't changed the wording at all. So 
you know, that's that's like an actionable item that they can that people can push for. But overall, do you think this is actually going to change the culture at Riot? Because it seems just toxic, period, and doesn't seem like there's any actual change happening. Well, I think that there's the conversation happening around Riot over the last couple of years. Uh, the company is, I think, trying to to make some changes, and you can you can't say that about a lot of the companies that have been put forward. Uh, in news stories lately, like Bioware or like a lot of these companies, I'll come out and say stuff about how they're operating, but they're not actually changing, right? And well, I, and, and that's kind of the the point that I'm getting to yeah. is it doesn't seem to me like Riot is making any actual changes. It seems to me like Riot is using a lot of like pacifying language of like, mm-hmm. no, this is bad. We don't like this either. Why would you ever think that we would do that? But then they go back behind their closed doors and then they keep making League of Legends and nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, like in terms of this specific article, it sounds like they new contracts don't have the 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 arbitration clause and then but they're not retroactively applying it specifically to a couple right. of cases that are still uh they were trying to still take to court based on Which, you know, old reports. I think right? that that does make sense, right? Like if you've got some like an active case, regardless of if it's a court case or an arbitration case or whatever the case, whatever the case, <laughs> mm. um, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to change the rules for people who are potentially involved as long as they follow through afterwards. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, like it, it seems like, allowing i think for the i think again i'm not a lawyer but i think the main reason they put these clauses in is so that you can't tarnish the good name of a company that's publicly traded and i actually don't know if riot is publicly traded but they still have a bunch of you know rich people who run it that don't want you know their bad name out there right (laughs) yeah i mean that's usually how game developers are run right so i think that uh when they when they remove this hopefully they're just everyone like it just won't happen and they won't have to sue. But the fact that it's there probably makes employees feel a lot better. But I, I think it should apply retroactively as well, because like you shouldn't be forcing your employees not to be able to use their, their legal right. And I think in the States, like that would be even more of a big deal. Cause like, where's the fun and not being able to sue. Is that not like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it's, it's a, a stereotype. stereotype. So I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to lean into it too hard, but there does seem to be a lot more, suing going on south of the border than up here but and i mean this is a serious thing like what they're suing for is harassment sexual harassment discrimination Mm -hmm. like that's a big deal and the fact that just because you you agreed to work there you suddenly can't get justice for a wrong that's been done i think that's that's also kind of against the american way as well like or or even just a decent human being like there are reason these 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 you know policies and things are put in place but I, I hope that Riot... I don't play League of Legends uh, because their game is probably just as... I, my understanding is their game is just as toxic as, as the Kotaku articles written about them. But uh, I just... Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're going to get better. I hope some companies get better. I so hope there are companies out there that are maybe on the rocks and then read these articles and be like, crap, we need to fix this before it becomes, you know, an issue and I really want to see that. I haven't seen an example of it. Like the companies that have been doing well before are going to continue to do well. And they're probably not going to, you know, trumpet and their horns out there and say like, hey, we've been doing good with crunch forever, you know, but 
I just hope companies look at this and like they figure it out, you know, as opposed to to just continuing to to try to just, you know, get more money out of every little thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, if you guys would like to continue this discussion, you can do so by joining us in our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That's going to do it for us tonight. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Brian is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about Days Gone or the Riot walkouts, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Yeah.